Hi, welcome back to the Real Hits of the Housewives. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to keep it tight. Um, I don't know if any of you guys listen to the Let It Out podcast. It's like a amazing self-care podcast that has been going on for like eight years and has this crazy following. But Katie Dalebout, who is the host, is a very close friend of mine and she's very long-winded and I'm uh, always joking with her to keep it tight. So I'm a take my own advice. Um, quick housekeeping before we get started. Uh, huge, huge bummer, guys. Um, we announced the Patreon only spinoff series, Sweet Home Summer House, a few weeks ago with Kristen Kage, and then she got a work opportunity, which means she's not going to be able to record. So we announced this big thing. We did one episode, and then it was like a real killer. Um, but thanks to some amazing feedback from my Patreon people, um, I'm just going to find another co-host. I've had people show interest and um it's a bit of a commitment so I'm just gonna kind of figure out which one of my former guests or other friends would like to co-host it with me but we're gonna keep it going and just to make up for it in the meantime I'm just gonna try and put out um as much Patreon content as possible. Uh, it's been a little inconsistent, which is really, you know, pushing on the Virgo Capricorn sides of my chart. So I know I'm going to make it up with you guys. We're going to get some bonus episodes out there and then we're going to get some, uh, we're going to get Sweet Home Summer House back on track. Um, okay. My guest this week, Casey Jackman, incredible, super cool chick that I met on my party trip in Florida, for those of you that have been listening, and we figured out after the trip that we're both super big fans of The Housewives, and she was just such a joy and delight to have on, and she picked an episode that when she first told me about it, I was like, what the fuck is this? I can't even remember what happens in this episode or why it was on the list, and then once I turned it on, I realized that it's a super underrated, incredible episode for the books and even though it might not be on some other major lists it's definitely important for the real one so I think you guys are gonna really enjoy yeah it just um really started to come down hard here in Florida like out of nowhere okay what is going on because so prior to the trip that I went on on which I met you I knew nobody yes. in Florida and now I follow all these people in Florida and it's all over. Like, it seems like you guys are in a hurricane. Oh my God. Is that what's going on? I don't know, but everyone keeps posting about like the crazy storms and all the clouds. And it's like, it just, it seems like it's wild. So this would not be the first time we have been in the middle of a hurricane and I had no idea. I think probably cause I just grew up in Florida that hurricanes just don't really affect me. But we just get some super gnarly storms here. Yeah. I mean, they're like aggressively disgusting. I'm pretty sure my house just got struck by lightning. And I mean, it was probably five minutes prior to you texting me. And I'm just like getting stuff together. And then this huge crack happens. And I'm like, you've got to be shitting me right now. Like, this is not okay. Well, that's I mean, okay. So. I grew up in Ohio, so it's like I'm no stranger to storms, but that's it's nothing like Florida and all the extreme weather and things like that. I'm used to. But as of Monday, I'll have been in L.A. for 10 years and like every day is the same here. Every day is some variation of like temperate, hot, whatever. And so I just like don't have I don't like I don't have any like like I guess sometimes I'm, I miss like extreme weather. Like I wish it was raining more often here, but that's, I think just because we live in like a climate hellhole. 
Yeah, I I love storms. Like I yeah. love it when it thunders and lightning. I just don't like it when it cuts off my wife in the middle of like meeting something. I'm like, really, universe? Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Whatever. So, I mean, how I close mean, do you cool. how close do you live to the beach? Um, I'm like eight to ten minutes away from where we were at. Um, yeah. at the cottages. I'm super close. So Ugh. it's literally just like a straight shot. And I'm there. Do I go to the beach as much as I probably should for how close I am? No, because that's just like a hellhole and its own kind of situation as far as like Why? just tourists and parking mm. and you know it's. I guess when you're around it for as long as I, I've always lived in this area. And so when you're around it as long as I have been, you take it for granted a little bit, but you also realize that there's a lot of stress that comes with just doing something simple, like going to the beach. Yeah, I get that because it's kind of like that in LA. I mean, granted it's because of traffic and and things like that. It's like going to a good spot in Malibu where it's not totally overrun with tourists would take me like two hours And that's in the same city that I live in. So I don't go to the beach very often. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, maybe I should go to the beach more for you. (laughs) Yeah. But I get it. That is the whole reason. It's like, you'll never, never in a million years, catch me at Santa Monica beach because of tourists, because of parking, because of all that, like literally you can't pay me to go there. Yeah. It's rough. Um, there are like times around the year where it's better, but March is just a shit show. Like don't ever go to the beach in Florida in March. Like you just, it's not worth it. It's just like spring breakers. Oh my God. It's disgusting. Spring Ooh. breakers. I, I, there was one day I got out of work early and I'm like, I'm going to enjoy the beach. And I went there and there was a whole family feeding flaming hot Cheetos to seagulls. And I'm like, this is not okay. This is going to be the worst case scenario. And it was just awful. And I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. Gotta get yeah. out of here. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. I mean, I, I, I feel the same. Like I live in Los Angeles. I live in a beach town and I still would rather go to a pool any day. Oh, I love a pool. I love escaping the heat. Mm. Love a pool. I Mm -hmm. love being able to know that I don't have to worry about like sharks or stingrays. Mm. Love a pool. Pool I love a pool too. See, I love the ocean. Hate the sand. Can't stand the sand. The sand is the worst. It's just like, I don't know. There's something that's so easy about going to a pool. So simple about going to a pool. Also my like hack, I feel like is hot tubs because first of all, I love a hot tub as is like, put me in a hot tub all the time, 24 seven. But when it's not being a hot tub, it's just being a tiny pool. And I feel like people don't give it enough credit for that. Yeah. You know, I just think when you take like a tiny pool and you like heat it up to a certain degree, like there's just a level of bacteria. Do not come at me with that. Okay. Do not. <laughs> spiritually I and emotionally spiritually and emotionally. I'm so aligned with a hot tub that like, I will not stand for any real talk about bacteria. I'm just saying no negativity. No negativity. I'm in full denial. Also, I am like a little bit gross. Like I feel like in certain circumstances, it's better for the immune system to just like not be the cleanest person on the planet. So like, yes, like every once in a while, 
just like once in a blue moon, like don't wash your hands after using the public restroom. You know what I mean? I drink out of, I drink out of the tap. So exactly in St. Pete. So, I mean, and that's saying a lot, I mean, it's aggressive. I'm getting all of my minerals for the day. Like I'm (laughs) solid. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like that's a good philosophy. You just have to be a little bit gross. And then also like, if there's something that I really, really love, but it's unhygienic, I'll still, I won't let that get in my way. That fits into my philosophy. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think my level of like germs and my fear for them have decreased. So I I work at a bank and I am around a lot of money and cash and you would be amazed at the places people pull money out of to give to you and the textures and the things that come off of, I mean, there were times where we've had to send money. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is blood (gasps) and I'm not really sure what to do with it. So yeah, crazy. So I will definitely say that working at a bank, I've become a lot more like lenient with certain things and realize that nothing, nothing can penetrate my immunities, like my immune system right now. Mm, mm, I get that. I will use this as an opportunity to rail on something that I was like, so grumpy, not grumpy about this week, but like, what the fuck is going on with all of these celebrities talking about how they don't bathe their children? Have you been seeing this? No, but that okay. just sounds awful. That just first, doesn't sound ugh, right. I like can't get over this. So first it was like two weeks ago, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, like in some interview of some kind, were like, oh, like we don't like bathe our children very often unless they're like, you can, and they, they had to have like made a joke right? that was like, if you can see dirt on them, we'll like throw them in the bath. Right. right. Like, I feel like sometimes it's really easy to see through like headline clickbait. And so it was like, this, it became this thing that it was like, Ashton Kutcher doesn't wash his kids unless they're like visibly dirty. And so then it's like, okay, fine, whatever. All the outlets pick that up. But then it was like Kristen Bell and like Dak Shepard were like, well, we don't bathe our kids and blah, 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 blah. And all these like white celebrities, now they're like chiming in on this conversation about how they don't bathe very often. And I'm like, why? Why are we talking about this? That's not something we should promote. Like, that's not something that should look like as being glorified. It's like, we don't wash our kids. Like, no, your kids need to be washed because children in general are just like giant little cesspools of germs and stuff. And they need to be cleaned. You know, that's my, it's just like, shut up. Like literally our world is burning around us. Like we don't care how often you bathe your kids. I guess that is more. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Nobody fucking cares. And the annoying thing is, is that like all the outlets are picking it up as, and that contributes to this thing where no one cares. It's like that thing on social media where people are like, normalize this thing. I'm like, but everything's normal. Nothing's that crazy. Everyone sit down. Yeah. You don't need to discuss it. Like there's bigger topics that we could be talking about right now, instead of how many days a week you wash your child. Literally, it's just not what your platform should be used for hill that you die on like the ipcc put out a report yesterday that basically said we're all gonna die of raging heat and climate change in like five years like shut up about how often your kid takes a bath please 
we have things to worry about, like major, major things to worry about. And how clean or not clean your child is, is just not really up there on my like spectrum of things that I need to worry about. No. And I don't want to get like news notifications about it. I don't want to see it on my explore page. I don't care. Yes. It doesn't need to pop up in my Apple news. Kristen Bell's not washing her child for another day in a row. It's like, okay, good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we should talk about things that are actually important, like reality TV. (laughs) Yes. It keeps us humble and, (laughs) and entertains us, which is very important now. Yeah. Okay. So I, first of all, I can't believe that we didn't figure this out until after that trip, because literally everywhere I go, all I do is talk about the real housewives. And I'm always like, I feel like I'm always seeking out people in new situations where I'm like, can you relate to me on this? Can you relate to me on this? So I'm shocked that we didn't actually discuss this in person in Florida. Well, what's so funny is I'm the kind of person where I probably make too many references and I don't do it because I know, I know the majority of people out there are not going to get my references. I'm seeking out the 3% that gets it. And I, I will say something and then they look at me and they're like, wait a second. Was that just like a real housewife reference? And I'm like, sister, come. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. A hundred percent. That's like my tattoo. It's like, it's such a deep cut that when the people like recognize it, I'm like, yes. Like my people. Yes. It's, it's a thing. I mean, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying like, and it's unfortunate because I don't have many friends who are like as involved as me. And I watch it primarily with my, my mom and my sister. And we've even like really strung in my dad. Cause now every once in a while, my dad's like, so what girls are on tonight? Like, who are we watching? And I'm like, bless your heart father. Um, but it sucks because I have so many things I need to talk about and get out that I've just experienced. And I have very few people in my life who appreciate it. And I'm like, as soon as I saw you posting on this, I was like, oh my gosh. Yes. Like, we could have just like gone on a whole hours or worth of conversation. So oh, it was probably better for everybody else that, that didn't happen. I know. Well, it's funny because I feel like uh, in my friend groups, like I have people where it's like, oh, we connect on Real Housewives. And so it's like anywhere you go, you're talking frantically with your person about something that's happening in it. And people are like, who are you talking about? What's going on? And so I've just set this rule. I'm like, listen, if you don't know, if I'm saying names of people that you don't know, it's someone from the Bravo cinematic universe. I promise you like, yes, there's just too much to keep up on. Like the news is just coming at you all the time. It's crazy. I mean, there, especially everything that's going on right now with Erica and stuff. I mean, when I, yeah, drama. When I had originally started seeing stuff come out, I'm texting my mom, all of this stuff. And then there's a guy who I work with who watches, you know, all he's watches all of the Bravos and I'm texting them and they're like, who? And I'm like, sorry, I, in my head, I'm on first name basis. So <laughs> Erica from, and cause I text yeah. them, I'm like, Erica's getting a divorce. And my mom's like, who? And I'm like, oh yeah. Erica Jane from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I have to realize like some people aren't on the first name basis like I am. So 
makes it difficult sometimes. Yeah. Well, I love when like a big news item comes out because then I have like 15 people texting me the same article. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's that's when you know. I'll get tagged in this stuff all the time. Like, cause I just post, I mean, even though nobody gets it, I just post it on social media, you know, and it's like, can't believe this is happening or, you know, funny topics that pop up. And so a couple of my friends have gotten really good where they'll just like DM me situations that are going on. Or I now have some friends who are starting to watch the series just because I think of how much I've talked about it. But also one of my closest friends just started rewatching um, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Mm. And so she's like years behind sending me all of these uh, like funny memes and stuff. And I'm like, oh, bless your heart. Like yeah. you're getting up there in the pop culture references. I appreciate it. I know. <laughs> but I one stuff. of my one of my best friends has taken to watching like just picking up it's I don't know why it's like Beverly Hills only like no other cities this person lives in New York but it's always Beverly Hills so it's always either an old one or like a really recent one and so they'll text me and ask questions like can you give me some context around this or that or whatever and it is like it feels like I'm like it feels like that's like my child and I'm watching the world through their eyes. You know what I mean? In those moments Mm -hmm. where I'm just like basking in the glory of like, Oh, you've never seen this. Oh, Oh, yes. For you, you know, reliving it from the jump. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, When did you start watching real housewives reality TV? Like what's your history? So I was in high school when it all went down. I would say I did not know about OC, but I started watching Beverly Hills. And then that's when I found out about OC and like really got into it. But ever since then, it was just like a takeoff of Beverly Hills, Vanderpump, all of the Real Housewives franchise below deck. I mean, it turned into this like whole like tailspin of like how much reality TV can I watch because Mm -hmm. I aspire to be in this like I am bigger (laughs) than what I'm doing now and I aspire to be on Bravo and the family I love that I (laughs) love Andy Cohen take me in yes yes daddy please welcome me into your family so okay how old are you 28 Okay. That's what that I figured it was like around there because I'm 29. I'm about to be 30. And I also feel like OC it's like, we were a little too young because it started in 2006. So it's like, well, I'm 15 years old. I don't care about these like 40 something women. Yeah. Yes. I don't care about these 40 something women. Um, and so then New York, like piqued my interest a little bit and then same with Jersey. And so like, I kind of was dipping my toes in a little bit, or like, I knew that they were crazy, but I got really invested once Beverly Hills came out because I feel like it hit at the right age where I was like, Oh, I'm, I get it now. Like I'm more invested. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I also feel like Beverly Hills maybe was the first time where they had like leveled up the cameras, leveled up the glam a little bit. So it did seem a little glossier because we came from the Hills generation. We came from Laguna beach. We were used to our reality TV looking sort of like glossy and aspirational. And like the early versions weren't like that. No, they weren't. And I am actually happy that you said that because by watching Beverly Hills first, it allowed me to go into 
New Jersey and OC and really take in everything that they were giving us in those seasons that would have just been lost if I was yeah. younger. I would not have understood any of that stuff. So by being able to fully appreciate, because Jersey gave us a lot in season one. I mean, so much. And so six episodes. It's just crazy. The amount of (laughs) drama and shade and everything that went down in Jersey. And so to be able to have watched that later and take in all of it, you're like, these women have so much money and yet they are still so unstable. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it's insane. It's crazy, but I love it. I'm obsessed. It's So, so good. Which are your favorite cities? So Beverly Hills in New York are probably my, you know, I feel like it's so tough to answer that because recently I feel like the shows have not always been what they were as far as mm. the drama, but Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills is good. Potomac is like this new upcoming amazingness, um, mm. New York and then Atlanta, Jersey. Yeah. Kind of like that. I love, it's hard because sometimes the seasons are just not good. And then I kind of get bored with it. And then it's hard for me to get back into it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I always my, say, my- cause like sometimes I'll ask people to be a guest on this podcast and they're like, oh, I only watch like, you know, this one and this one and this one. And I'm always like, that's totally fine. There is so much content that it's Mm -hmm. like, even I, at any given moment, it's like, I'm like two episodes behind on like this one, or it's like, oh, I went and like needed to go back and watch these ones or like, you know, it just, it's hard to keep up. Yeah, it is. And it's also, I don't have cable. So right. when a new Who series amongst comes, us? I know. <laughs> so, so when a new series comes out, unless I see that it has started, I, before I even realize that I'm already like three episodes or four episodes behind, like I didn't realize that the new season of Potomac just started. So now I'm trying to play catch up. And mm. I, I feel like I've already missed so many pop culture references that I've seen online. And I'm like, wait a second. I have not experienced this yet. And that's when I realized I was already like two episodes behind. Yeah. No, the internet, the internet puts pressure because it's like my explore page is full of like Bravo accounts and stuff like that. So (laughs) if I'm not watching something live that night, which I never am, I'm always watching it on Hulu the next day or whatever, or like the next couple of days, I always like, I feel like I'm missing something. And so I feel like that lights the fire under my ass. Let's dive in. Um, yes. So we are recapping uh, Beverly Hills season nine, episode six, 50 shades of shade. And I am so glad that you chose this episode because when you sent it to me, I was like, I couldn't for the life of me, remember what happened in this episode. And then I was like reading online and I was like, I don't really like, I like, couldn't quite place it. And then once we got into it, I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy that we're doing this episode. I, it was so hard picking an episode because I, as soon as I like saw the list and then I realized that I needed to look at the list correctly, just like scroll over. Cause I was looking at it on my phone. Mm-hmm. I had my Hulu up and I was like going through all of the episodes to get like the full recap. And I was like, we're, we're going to do the, the 50 shades of shade because to the, I would say like, mm, to somebody who doesn't religiously watch housewives or to the untrained eye it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on in that episode 
but there is a lot. Oh my God. It's so good. And also we haven't even covered on this podcast, any from this season at all. So like we have not talked Uh about any of the Lucy, Lucy, apple juicy drama. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I personally feel like this episode was the, the episode that ruined Lisa Vanderpump, like after this, this was Lisa, this was the episode that ruined her for Mm -hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Okay. So, um, we kick off and Kyle goes to the agency to see Mauricio in like sort of a silly filler scene, um, essentially just shutting, setting up the fact that she is waiting to hear on whether or not American woman is getting picked up for another season. So that's sort of just laying the groundwork, which is so timely and so interesting because it's only because American woman ends up getting canceled or not picked up again, that she's able to even reconnect with our queen Kathy. Yes. So happy to get picked. Um, so we're at Dorit's house for the Beverly beach swimwear shoot, which I wrote, does this business still exist? I think so. Cause she is doing like wedding dress designs now. Oh shit. That's right. Um, I find, okay. So, cause they're at their old house, right? This is the house that we first met yes. Dorit in before they moved to like the modern farmhouse, heinous house yes. that they live in now in Encino. Um, oh my God. I was like trying to explain, I was making fun of someone that I know to my mother by ex- sending her a link about how this person bought a house in Encino. And I was like, wow, what a downgrade. Cause they sold their house like in LA proper and then moved to Encino. And my mom was like, isn't that where like Oprah lives and like all those fancy people. And I was like, no, 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 that's Montecito. Encino is where Dorit and PK live. And she was like, got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> that's so good. I love it. I- yeah. Yeah. I had to properly explain that it was a downgrade. Okay. Let's see. Beverly beach. I'm looking on Instagram. Hmm. Okay. Because here's why I ask is because, oh, here we go. Founder, creative director, Beverly beach. Okay. Okay. All right. I guess it's still alive and thriving. Um, except that they haven't posted anything on their Instagram since December of 2020. So oh, that's not maybe, good. Not. maybe not. Well, I just feel like Dorit and PK give me such scammer vibes that every business endeavor feels like not only is she trying to be like, look at me, I'm legitimate, Mm -hmm. but also they're just trying to like, it's always a cash grab, you know, but I don't know that they have the ability to like really see it through. I, I mean, I have not seen one business plan or thing that they have done throughout any of the seasons here that I've actually gone through. I mean, I see constantly the amount of money and taxes that they owe, but money not- and taxes that they owe Rolls Royces that they're buying. They're like that. they're a real textbook case. I feel like for housewives, for people to be like, if you're explaining to someone that you don't know, it's like, okay, it's full of these eccentric characters that never have the money that they say that they have. And I feel like you could like pull them down as an example. People could be like, but they live in a mansion and they have like a, a rose gold, you know, Aston Martin or whatever. And then you can be like, no, but see, then look at this tax lien and look at this business that failed. Yep. There's such a yeah. the prototype for that. 
And it sucks too, because I do, I mean, besides like, I'm not a big fan of PK. I think he's kind of like creepy in a way, um, especially after like the first time that they ever met Erica, you know, panty gate kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Not a fan of that. Um, but I like Dorit. I have did not like her the first couple of seasons that she was on, but now I have grown to like Dorit and appreciate her fake accents. Yes. It sounds funny, but I mean, I, I live for her glam because sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but she's always, she knows the assignment and she comes prepared and I I appreciate it. Yeah. She's like disappearing a little bit in this season, this current season, which makes me sad. I don't mind her either. I actually find her very entertaining. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You're telling me that, that we're supposed to be impressed that you designed a room at Buca de Beppo in Encino. I died. I died. And then when Denise didn't even know how to pronounce it in the confessionals, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is everything. Oh my God. But- and, and Sutton was like, family style restaurant. Like I can't compute. She's so fucking rich that she was like, I can't imagine going to a place where we would share dishes. I, and see, I will say last season or was that Sutton's first season was yeah. Last season was her. I mean, it was good because you're really just getting to know her and you realize how rich she actually is by like the, the little things that she's saying. And it's almost now how it is with Kathy Hilton, where you're like, does Kathy Hilton even know what a broom is at this point, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, that was, that was good. That was good humor then. Um, I'll have to tell you a story, um, offline about, uh, how rich Sutton is. That is like a personal story that I have that I legally cannot tell on this podcast. I die for that. Yes. Um, fill the tea. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So Dorit's she's like hired another model that they just like make her look exactly like Dorit's like Barbie twin. Um, only like not as pretty, which I feel was deliberate. (laughs) And so Erica comes over to help direct Dorit, which like, listen, I love this. Cause like, I do think if you're a little uncomfortable in front of the camera, you need a hype girl. Also like I'm a model professionally and I don't like it when photographers don't say anything to me. It's like, I need someone being like, point your toe, arch your back, like, no, move your leg, like one inch to the left. I think that's really helpful. Also, Erica's just like, yeah, this is what she came on this show to do is to be like, I'm here to be Erica Jane. I'm here to tell you about the ass, the tits, the, you know, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, her hair though, Erica shows up. Oh, Erica shows up with some fucking something about Mary hair where she's got a ponytail in. I'm going to have to post a picture on Instagram for this. There is no other option. She has one piece. It's she had to have been like, like shown a photo of the moment from there's something about Mary where she gets the jizz in her hair and been like, listen, I, this is what I want. This is what I want. I was cracking up re-watching the episode. I was cracking up. All I could imagine is, do you remember those like little table skateboards? Like, yes. um, all I could imagine is like somebody's little fingers with the table skateboards, like on her hair, like a half <laughs> or like a little surfboard, like a stick man. Yes. Surfing. I was like, what is she? She is so much better than this. Probably one of the worst, oh, worst, the worst. Hair. 
Also because we're cutting in and out of that confessional look with her where she's wearing the leopard and she's got the hair to the gods. So it's like, Mm -hmm. we're cutting back and forth from that to that. And I'm like, honey, I don't know who was doing your hair this season, but they needed to like bring it down an inch. It, it was great. I mean, and what's so, you know, what's so bad though, thinking back to that season, like looking at her, I probably thought that her confessionals were like flawless. I probably thought I was like, oh my gosh, I love that hair. But now I'm like, no, no. What were you doing, girl? But that just oh my god, seasons. So, uh, excuse me, Rue. Could you hear him bark? Yes. Oh my god, he he loves like anytime I'm recording, he's like on the floor, like wiggling or like begging to be pet or like wanting to go out or some bullshit. Okay, hold on, let me let him out. Also, I just let him out and he ran immediately back inside. It's just because he wants attention. Will you just sit though? Okay. Yeah. We stay there. Um, okay. So Denise and her children go over to Villa Rosa for a scene that is pointless and inexplicable. Yeah. Um, and the only thing that I pulled out of that was, I don't know. I mean, this maybe might be our introduction to, um, her daughter Eloise having like a chromosomal disorder and having special mm-hmm. needs maybe. But other than that, like the only takeaway I had is that Denise says that she has a 22 year old dog. Yeah. I mean, and then it almost sounded like Lisa was going to try to talk shit about mm-hmm. the Bahamas, but then Denise kind of shut it down because the kids were there and that was really right. all I could see. So I don't know if they didn't have any thing to fill there, but it was a very pointless Oh my God. So pointless. So we're back to, we're back to Dorit and Erica, like in between looks at the photo shoot. So this is where Dorit reveals that Lisa. Okay. So I guess maybe now would be a good time to bring in context. If you're listening, you know, the context, but like yeah. if, if you give a shit about this, you know, the context, but the point being is that the season kicked off with a very like dramatic, somewhat dramatic moment in which Teddy and Kyle went to Vanderpump Dogs and one of the Johns, because I can't keep them Lizard Lizard and Sessa, one of them um, traipsed a dog out and said, this is Dorit's dog. And we get the backstory that Dorit adopted a dog from Vanderpump Dogs. It didn't work out. She was like biting their kids or whatever. And so she rehomed the dog with another woman who then gave that dog to a shelter (laughs) And then the shelter, because it was tagged with Vanderpump dogs, like called Vanderpump dogs. and was like, you want your dog back. So still shelter though. That was like the biggest thing too. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. So the, all the drama is basically around the fact that Teddy was aware that this was going to happen behind cameras, behind closed doors. Lisa Vanderpump was setting up a situation with the Johns it at which Teddy was aware that the dog was going to be there, was trying to be there. Basically, they were trying to get this dog on camera to make this a storyline and to make it basically make it public and bring it, bring what happened off camera in between seasons onto the show and to make Dorit look like a fucking monster, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's a question of, are the Johns the ones that are like, 
manipulating the situation and manipulating Teddy or is Lisa involved? And that's where we stand right now. Teddy is admitting her part of this. And Lisa is coming from the perspective of like, I had no idea any of this was going on. It was all the Johns. And Teddy's sitting there going, no, you fucking crazy puppet master. You were a part of this. So at this point, Dorit has had lunch with Lisa Vanderpump. And she shows her text messages to prove that Teddy had an active role in this. <laughs> so Lisa Rinna then goes to, this is all, this is all set up for like the drama that will, that will exist in a bit. Yeah. So Lisa, Lisa Rinna goes to a venue with Camille, um, the venue at which Camille is going to have her 50th birthday party, which is the scene of the crime. Um, Camille is unhinged. She is like in her confessional, rightfully so. She's like, she's like, I made it to 50. I had cancer. I had a hysterectomy. I had a divorce. Yeah. Like, but she is like really on one. And I feel like when she's on one, shit always gets a little wild for Camille. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I mean, I feel like Camille was so busy trying to stay relevant throughout this season that she even tried to be the villain. I mean, when it came to her, like talking smack about Tariq and, and stuff like that, I was like, Camille, stay in your lane. Like you're okay for like the pop-up every once and again, like we're happy that you're getting married and you've made it this far, but I can't get over Camille season one still. I, oh, no. I don't like Camille. I don't, I'm not a fan of her at all. She, she annoys me a little bit. And I just watching how like unstable she was season one, granted she was going through a lot, but it, I just always think back, like it could happen again at any moment, like any yes. moment. I find, I find that like, she had one of the best turnarounds in reality TV history where she was the villain. She came back and really humbled herself. And then she became this sort of like extra sort of fun character, but then and she supported, then she supported Brett Kavanaugh and we had to flush her down the toilet. No, I can't. Ugh, yeah. It's the worst. She's yeah. like, I was like, she's like the Kelly Dodd of the OC. She is a little it's bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure that they would have a lot to talk about. Um, so she, Camila is saying, she's like, we've all felt the wrath of Lisa. She has, so Lisa was the one who was like in her ear in season two, telling her to bring up on camera that Russell beat Taylor. Yeah. The, we, we haven't said it, but now we've said it. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're seeing flashbacks to all of that was always the with her and Brandy, like it's basically bringing in this, mm -hmm, this like yeah. universal truth that we have all known, which is that Lisa Vanderpump's whole MO is like, find the weakest link or who you perceive to be the weakest link in the group, convince them to like be your, to carry Not out your plans. Yes. Your mouthpiece and then hide in the shadows and not have to like get your hands dirty on absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've seen it. I mean, it's probably been four. So if we think about it four times now, this has been the situation four or five, because there was season one with Taylor 
then she did it to um, Rena with the Munchausen Yolanda. She did it to Brandy. Oh, Brandy I mean, got the worst of it. Oh yeah. I mean, well, that's just the whole, I mean, that's Oh, I am. Listen, I am not a Brandy apologist, but like Brandy got the worst of Lisa Vanderpump's shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it's just so funny to me how even this far into the seasons, we still question that like Lisa had nothing to do with it. I'm sorry, yeah. Dorit, but come on. Like you cannot be that vapid. Like you have to know that Lisa had something to do with it. I don't care how long you've been friends. I don't care how close PK and Ken are. She was the she was the main person. She plotted this whole thing and poor Teddy. And like, she, like Teddy even admitted, you know, last year when she was having problems, Lisa was the one who picked up that phone and called her and, you know, pretty much, I don't know. I would say like molded her for this upcoming. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Which we'll get to that. She groomed her big time. So Camille makes the comment, um, that Dorit, she's like, I don't think they have all the money that they have. She, she's kind of creepy. She freaks me out. She makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up, which like that comment with the hair on the back of the neck, I was like, all right, Camille, fucking oh chill the fuck out. You You're were just telling, you were just telling her like how happy you were to be in the Bahamas. Like you guys have made up, you've moved on. Like you don't need, that was rude. Yeah. yeah. Stop trying to make um, yourself relevant. Yeah. But, but I mean, she's, it's true. Like, you know, I'm glad that this might be the first time someone says like on camera, I don't think about they have the, the money. Money. Mm-hmm. True that. True that. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So back at Denise's Malibu rental, I, I wrote, I'm salivating just cause I would love to live beachfront Malibu and the way that they live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. I wrote these hicks are chatting about their 10 day wedding. Um, <laughs> them going through their calendar and him being like, can we do it? Blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, that's in 10 days. And I'm like, yeah, psychopath. that's like such a rich person move. Like let's get married in 10 days. It is like such a rich thing. person move, but they're also like, they are kind of hicks. They are kind of they low rent. Fun. They are kind of like rich trash a little bit. Or and like, I don't think at, I don't think at this point we knew how much of how much Denise Richards was like rich trash. I think that we thought that she was going to have a much more elevated vibe because this Mm -hmm. was her first season, but like, yeah, she's rich trash, which I enjoyed until obviously I didn't enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yes. Until Bravo, Bravo, Bravo. That's when I was like, I can't deal with this shit. Ill-equipped, ill-equipped. She handled that so badly. Yeah. I want to see everything. And the fact that you're trying to hide it from me makes me not like you right now. So mm-hmm. either get your and, together and show what you signed up for or get out. And you're on season two, you're refusing to film and you're bringing in the lawyers. No, no, honey. That's yeah, not yeah. how we do it here. Nope. Nope. So Teddy meets up with her therapist, um, which I put in quotes because they're going on a walk together, which to me is yeah. a huge breach of boundaries. I think that physical boundaries are really important with a therapist. And so I don't think that if I've been in therapy consistently for seven and a half years, my therapist would never be like, let's go go on a walk. But I I like that. She (laughs) said, so listen, Teddy to me was one of the worst housewives of all time because she didn't give us anything. Nothing. Very go girl. Give us nothing. Um, but 
what really irks me is that like the most sinister part of her is like all the exposés and happened after like nothing like we didn't get any of the fallout or anything it was just like teddy's this person who doesn't bring drama and never lies but literally you're making people hate themselves and literally you're telling me that off camera you're running an MLM cult in which you are convincing women to eat 400 calories a day day. and you were on reality TV and we never got to see that. Fuck you. Like it is so crazy. It almost makes me wonder, like, did she know that something was going to come out? And so that's almost why she she fully left she fully axed or I think no she fully was fired she was fired yeah for sure I think that was just like really good timing for her on her part because could you imagine if that shit would have played out I mean I don't really think I feel like they're all still friends like I feel like Kyle and Teddy are probably they are stuff so I don't really know they were all in they were all in Hawaii for the 40th birthday yeah yeah, I don't know how it really would have affected the cast or like a storyline there, but it would have been really great to have her have some like public heat on her, you know, and I yeah. don't know, maybe hold yourself accountable for the way you're making women feel about themselves because it's well, it's- I also like I mean, I I talked about this a little bit last episode and so I don't want to like harp on it too much, but like the, I do wish that there was as someone who's in recovery from um, every eating disorder under the sun, I wish that there was like a little bit better representation in the way that like the women on these shows get to tell their stories with their eating disorder experiences. I, I think it's like partially Bravo's fault. I also think like a lot of women don't actually get the proper help that they need because eating disorders mm-hmm. are often not treated the way that they should be treated, which is like as an addiction, similar to alcoholism and things like that. And so then yeah. they don't even get to like, talk about it in, in a way that is always helpful. Like they don't often get to talk. They talk about it a lot as this thing that was in the past and it's not current and it doesn't always work out like that for people. And, and, um, it just is like, I'm always like, God, I wish I would love some like better representation a little bit on. And I, I think that like, maybe we might get that out of crystal if she gets into it. I'm not sure, but like, this could have been a really interesting opportunity for, us, if we had seen the fallout of all in by Teddy, like on television, we could have had, even if the women didn't handle it well, even if they handled it terribly, it's like, that's still something for then the greater Bravo community to yeah have a conversation about or talk about or comment. Mm-hmm. On yeah. <sighs> no. And I do. I really hope that we get to see with Crystal. I feel like there's been you were saying not proper representation because we see Jackie you know on Mm -hmm. on Jersey and we've heard about like Rena's daughter Amelia and and stuff like that and I feel like it's almost glazed over and they don't really have the opportunity or they're just not at a place where they really want to speak about it but Crystal seems very very open and hopefully we'll be able to like get into it a little bit more with yeah, her. Oh my God. And we have, remember Jules in New York when she Jules was like, I, I, she's like, I threw up my food this morning, but I'm good. And it's like, like, Oh God, like, do you no. realize how complicated of a statement that is? Because there yes. is a world, there is a world in which you're still, that is okay. And you're still on the right path. And there's like, you have systems in place. And even though you haven't been able to let that go yet, you're on the right path to moving forward or whatever. But like, also 
you know, that's really rare. And so chances are, you're probably not good if you threw up your food this morning, but like, it's so layered and there's so much more context mm-hmm. that we need that you can't just like make that statement in passing yeah. on TV and, and have it be okay. Yep. And that's the biggest thing is like the way the statements are made where it's like, there, there needs to be context behind what you're saying, because just that sentence itself makes girls who are maybe not where, let's say you were at in your journey, feel like, oh, okay, well, it's okay if that happens to me when really they might need more help or they're struggling a little bit more. And there just needs to be a larger scale. I feel like if it's going to be a story, then it needs to really be like talked about in a proper way. Yeah. Yeah. So I really wish that that would have played out, but I did find it interesting that like, because I'm in a couple Bravo, um, Facebook groups where people will, uh, sort of like go back in time with Teddy and be like, Oh, here were the signs in which like we saw, cause we always saw her as this accountability coach, but people will point out things that it's like, no, this was like a red flag. This was a red flag. This is a red flag. Yeah. Like watching her have to eat certain things or not eat certain things. Or I never saw her once eat like a cheeseburger with buns. And I was like, it makes me sad for her. Yeah. But it's just, I don't, it's hard because these are signs, but also like, I feel like production should have noticed these things too. And maybe that's too tall of a fucking order for them. Don't you think? But (laughs) it's an issue. And you would think that if there was the opportunity for production to bring it to light, maybe it would not have gotten. I know, I know, but I just thought that that was interesting because this is like one of those moments where it's like her, she says that she, what she loves about her therapist is that she'll meet her where she's at and where she's willing to be the most open, which is usually on a walk or a hike. And it's like, you, you literally can't, you can't sit in a chair for an hour without feeling like you need to be moving your body. Like, I know that it's not that simple. And that's a really blanket statement. Like I have ton, like when I go on hikes or like I do physical exercise, it's like, yeah, I'm at the top of a mountain. I get like tons of clarity. Like it is such like a good, like a moment in which I feel really mentally clear. And like, you know, I don't know, maybe in, in some world that would be great, but also it's like knowing what we know about you. It's like, you really just can't sit on a couch for an hour without feeling like you like weird about it. I don't know. It's like, we're all very hypersensitive now. So even things that would just be normal are now not normal because of what we know. Yeah. So she owns that. She like got caught up in Lisa's web. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that at this point she's trying to like you know, be accountable. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, obviously Teddy's program is super fucked, but she, you know, she can't build an accountability empire without having some sense of being able to like acknowledge when she's wrong and apologize, you know? Yeah, no. And I mean, I, the thing that gets me about Teddy is for her to make a statement, like I never lie or I never lie. And then oh, I know. Come to find out like, honey, you got caught in a really big lie is one thing I will say like super great that she did come forward. She seems very genuine in her apology to Dorit. Like I 100% believe it. I am absolutely shook though at LVP in that scene where she's like apologizing to Dorit and all of the girls are outside and LVP's like, I have, I have no part in this though. Like I, I didn't oh, I know. do it. And I know. everybody's kind of like, 
what? And that's the first moment where I actually see Teddy stick up for herself a little bit. And I was like, this is the moment everything is going to change for LDP. She is not, she is not in it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll get there. So, (sighs) oh, I jumped ahead so far ahead. No, no, no. You didn't jump far ahead. I was actually just looking. You actually only jumped one scene ahead, but I want to make sure that we don't miss this scene because it's when Lisa and Kyle meet up with Aaron and Denise at dinner and Denise is shit tanked, wasted, the drunkest you've ever seen anyone in your life at this fucking dinner. I died. Oh my God. When they met up and they're talking about like, Aaron and all Denise can do is talk about his dick and how big his dick is and you know she had her Casamigas and she's just living her best life and I was cracking up at this scene I mean non-stop laughing and she, I don't I know mean, if it was go ahead oh I was gonna say I don't know if this is editing gold like if they just edited this so perfectly or if genuinely the entire night's conversation just surrounded his his penis I, I was questioning that as well. So she shows up absolutely wasted and it starts like very innocently because she's like, when Lisa's like, when you guys met, was there this instant connection? And she's like, well, I really wanted to fuck him. And it's like, okay, that's like a funny one-off joke. But then she's like, okay, you know, we get it. And she's like, well, he has a, a, he's a really big penis, which is hilarious already to see on the real housewives be like, my husband has a huge penis. Like even (laughs) just the word penis so so pronounced is like okay we're in a different zone here but then she just was so drunk that like she just thought it was so funny that it she just wouldn't let it go for the rest of the dinner I mean everything even the poor waiter like who walked up when they were talking about it and Kyle's just dying and this waiter's just looking and you can just tell he's like oh my gosh what did I just get myself into like what is happening right now and you know, it was so real and like, so genuine too, because first of all, Denise is a rookie and she is showing up as like, I'm Denise fucking Richards. Like, and that's the deal. Yeah. And this is also the first time we've ever, ever, ever gotten a scene like this on at least Beverly Hills, where afterward we just got like, like, th- like 30 seconds of Kyle and Lisa leaving the dinner. Like, you know, when you have one of those dinners and you're like, you have to decompress with your friend on the way to the car. It's like, oh my God, we have to talk about this. We have to debrief. Yes. Like we got that moment of them just being, of just like cackling until the ends of the earth after this, which I don't think we've ever gotten before. And I will say Lisa is, she is really good with her one-offs, you know, like in the confessionals, like she, she's got the wit. And so when she was talking about, man, now all of the girls are going to be calling for his service. And and she's like, including me. And I was just fucking up because it is, it's so true. You know, when you have those moments where you're like, wait, we need to like talk about what we just experienced because it was just amazing. Also, because you have to think about from their perspective, they're like, we are meeting up to shoot a scene. So it's not like there's like pressure there. There's intent there. There's like, it's not like you're just going and grabbing dinner with a friend. You're like, there should be like a start, middle and end to this dinner. There's like, they should be able, they probably walk away from these dinners being like, okay, we, we, we did our job and we got what we needed. Like they're not choosing to get up from tables when the check comes, like they're shooting a scene. So 
just for, so, and, and whatever the intent was like, let me tell you, they did not get it. Like the production would probably had to come in at some point and be like, listen, she's wasted. Like this was just kind of a filler scene anyway. So you guys can just get the check and go home. Like, so, you know what I mean? My God, it's, but, and you know what, that's what makes it so good is like Denise just being so green to it and not in the season and not really knowing, like at the end of the day, like this is a job, you know, like you have to provide a certain level of material that is TV worthy. And so the fact that she kind of, you know, is going into the season and like this it's kind it makes it kind of great even though I'm sure production was pissed I I think it was amazing for the viewers you know that's it was worth it it was worth it in the end you know what I mean um okay so now we get to the goods it's Camille's 50th birthday party she's wearing a sequin outfit that is so strange it reminded me of what I would put on my Barbies it was all sequins top and bottom one shoulder not fitted it was like loose almost in like a pregnancy way but then also a loose sequin skirt and it was color blocked in a way that made zero sense yeah no I mean I probably one of the most underwhelming outfits on Beverly (laughs) Hills I've seen you know I mean yeah besides like Sutton's awful couture that she wears oh, I mean God. love love so bad couture. but that's kind of what it reminded me of just ill-fitted not I mean not what you would I would not want to wear that to my 25th birthday let alone my 50th after you know hyping it up because yeah. still on this earth and yeah. yeah um so Erica is like goading to tell Teddy about what she knows. So they all go outside and Teddy cops to everything. So Teddy says, listen, I was involved, but like, I need you to know that this would never have happened without Lisa's involvement. Like the text messages that you saw were real, but Lisa was the person who was like orchestrating all of this. It was not something that I did on my own. Um, it was not something that the Johns did on their own. And she's apologizes and she wants to move on and she references how her and Dorit have had a tough relationship. And we flash back to, I totally forgot about this. Teddy and Dorit getting into an altercation at like the season finale, the, the season before in which Dorit tells Teddy that she's a fucking psycho. And that was over the champagne glasses. Yes, not using the right. She that, refers to her as a psycho. Psycho. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. I didn't even remember that either. That's just so crazy how much stuff will happen that you forget about it. Because that was also the situation too. That reunion came out where Dorit did not name a swimsuit after Teddy. And so oh, Teddy was really right. hurt by that and like started crying. I'm pretty sure she started crying. I feel like that would be something she would do. But, oh, my gosh, that's my God, so right, the champagne. So good. So she, so Lisa and Kyle arrive. It's, like, kind of awkward because they can tell that there's drama happening at the front, but they go in anyways. They come back out. So now it's, like, we've got them all. We've got all the women. For some reason, they're all wearing black. Except um, for Kyle. Mm-hmm. And her red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Has to be the star of every show. Um, so Lisa 
okay. So Teddy says I was set up and I took the bait, but I couldn't go through with it, which I guess is kind of what happened because in theory, Teddy was supposed to like prompt one of the Johns to bring out the dog, but she didn't do it. And so what happened was John, the Johns like took matters into their own hands and, and brought out the dog. And so essentially she says, Teddy says that last year, and this is what you were saying earlier, last year when she was struggling with the group, that Lisa was the one calling and checking on her every day. And that is like such an important piece of information because there it is. There it is. Like that's the pattern is that she finds the weakest link and all of a sudden she's there for them so that when it comes time, like she's like a con artist. Oh, she is. She knows. I mean, it's, I don't even know how she knows it because if you think about it, like she was grooming Teddy before Lucy Juicy Apple or Lucy Juicy Apple Juicy even was a thing. So it's almost like, okay, so if this wasn't going to be the storyline, then what were you waiting for is my mm-hmm. thing, right? Because if you mm-hmm. are being, it's not out of the kindness of your heart, LVP. Like we know you well enough now. Like what were you waiting for to be able to use Teddy, you know? Yeah. And, and so- And I just feel like my entire theory on this is like, this is classic Lisa. This is what Lisa does all the time. I think that she just got sloppy. And I also think that there was a time limit on how long she could pull this scam in the same group before people really held her feet to the fire. So I actually don't even think it really has anything to do with Teddy coming forward, being honest. I don't think it has really anything to do with that because Brandy had said that in the past. Camille had said that in the past, like her victims had said it. I just think that like, you can only run a scam in the same pool as often. That feels like con artist one Oh one, like really you yeah. should like pull your scam and move on to a new locale. But even then, like this was the season that like her mother died and her brother died. And I feel like she just got kind of sloppy because what event yeah. essentially takes her down in this moment is that she kept telling everyone that she had no idea. She had no idea. She had no idea. And then the timeline got crossed because she is the one who texted Dorit and was like, Teddy knows about the dog and the timelines weren't right. And she gets caught Mm -hmm. in the lie. Yeah. And that all came out that it all came out that at that moment. And then that was at the part where I think we even saw on like Lisa's face, you know, she didn't really have much to say when Teddy was almost saying like, we can coexist or I don't want to be any part, you know, of, of what you have going on. And you don't hear anybody stick up for LVP. And I think at that moment, that's when Dorit was like, okay, this girl was after me, you know? Yeah. And at least Dorit knows the truth, even though she's not getting it from Lisa. And at that point, that's the demise of LVP. This season ruined it for her. It really did. Yeah. And I mean, she really like stuck the nail in her own coffin because the way she handles it moving forward, the way that like the altercation, the next episode happens with goodbye, Kyle. And like how like Ken gets really dirty and gets really involved and how like she doesn't show up for their reunion. And then she does that weird fucking, um, uh, truth telling test. Oh my God. Lie detector test. Polygraph. The polygraph. polygraph. Oh my yes. God. Like, give me a fucking break. She it, just handles it so bad. Yes. And you know what's so crazy is so when um, Lisa, because Lisa and Kyle had left together with Ken and Mauricio, and you could even tell Kyle is just bombed, like drunk in the car. Oh, hammered. 
hammered. And Lisa makes some sly comment. Am I skipping ahead again? No. Okay. Lisa makes some sly comment where she was like, coexist. The bitch would be lucky, you know, something like that. And you can see Kyle doesn't say she's even like, oh my God. Like, yeah. Because at that moment, Kyle knows like Lisa messed up. She had a huge part in what happened and she got caught red handed. And Lisa and Kyle have always had, they've been friends, but they've consistently bickered and fight fought and but you Kyle know, has always at the end of the day stood by Lisa's side yeah except for this time she did not I know but also Kyle's been through a lot like she's had really tough times in her relationships yeah. in her relationship with Lisa where she's tried to be like I'm on your team but also like you need to acknowledge the part in which you've done and Lisa just stonewalls her until mm-hmm. she's exhausted. And then she's like, fine, I guess I'll move on. And there's only so long you can do that before your friend is going to turn on you. Oh, 100%. And I don't even think it's a matter of like Kyle turning on her. I think it's Kyle just being like done, like over the same role play again and again and again. And it gets exhausting. Like it, isn't that literally the definition of insanity? Like doing the same thing over again and just expecting a different outcome. But we've seen it season and over again where Lisa like we thought Rena was the pot stirrer but I mean it is LVP 100% she just tried she tried too hard to produce Mm -hmm. and she also just generally like yeah you manipulate people around you like you are I feel like she would be running this con whether the cameras are on or off but it's just like she just I mean it's such a bummer that after everything she gave us that she had to have this be her exit. But also if you're running the same scam for nine seasons, like you should have thought about how to handle it if you got caught. Yeah. And I was shocked that she did not show up to the reunion. I feel like that was the first time I ever experienced a housewife not showing up regardless of what the outcome was from the season or anything. And I was like, can they do that? I mean, mm-hmm. I was like, Andy Cohen, like, what are you going to do? Like she, can't she, she trash talked Adrian for not showing up at the reunion years ago. That's right. So hard. And I like that they, I I'm pretty sure at the reunion, they showed that clip of her talking. Yeah. 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 Oh, like, my yeah God. Fuck you about Adrian not showing up. Well, and what's so crazy too, is even with everything that's going on with Erica this season, I'm pretty positive she's going to be at reunion. I mean, I don't, yes, I don't foresee that being an issue. And so it's just kind of funny where, I mean, we are in the middle of a huge lawsuit with Erica and yet she has committed to the season. It Mm. might not be true and real, but she is here for drama and to make herself look good and victimize I am so oh my god I I cannot with Erica this season and the way that she is doing this like literally it infuriates me it infuriates me the fact that we are watching every single week her try to make us feel bad for her when she's downgrading to a house that I will work my entire life to try and afford. And she has not said a single word about the victims, the actual victims of Tom's crimes is so 
I, I don't even have the words for how terrible and vicious and disgusting it makes me feel. I, so as much as I'm not like Sutton's biggest fan right now, or I cannot wait because Sutton's going to be a huge voice when it comes to, yes, because we've seen, you know, the teasers and stuff and how they get in it. And I mean, when Erica is upset, she's relentless. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. I was like ready before this all, all came out to be like, um, maybe there's a way in which she redeems herself. And now it's like, oh, all hope is lost. And I hope, I hope you go to jail. I hope you go to prison. I hope you rot in there. I, there were some points where I was like, oh, well, maybe she didn't know. Maybe she, she didn't know. But then when she started talking about Tom and the car accident and just certain things happening, I was like, no, I would almost, I wouldn't even be shocked if they're still in cahoots and that money is in some offshore account and they're just putting on this big show and making each other seem they hate each other I mean honestly I I think that's like one end of the spectrum my my opinion is it's like I think that she probably she definitely did not know the the realities of the scams that he was pulling especially because like Mm -hmm. from housewife and the hustler he's been accused of doing this for like 40 years yeah yeah but I think she definitely entered a situation where she didn't question where the money came from, even though like I've been questioning where the money comes from. Like since they've gotten on the show, I've been like, if you're a lawyer for the good guy, like you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have a fucking estate in Pasadena. I, it just doesn't add up. And even if it's like, of course I wasn't thinking that he was stealing from people, but I was like, you're definitely overcharging for your services in a way that I find immoral. Because I think if you're really a lawyer for the good guy, you don't need to go be like a near billionaire. Yeah. Hmm. yeah I, I find that immoral. So at oh, the yeah. best case scenario, it was like, you're being a little immoral with the way that you're running your business. And so I've always questioned that. And so she had 20 years of that where she's like, sort of just like accepting it as truth or whatever. And so that's strike one. I think she clearly had heads up that things were going to be happening. And so I think she cut and run. I think she was like, you know what? Fuck you. Like, I think she's probably put up with his abuse. I think he was probably, um, I, I think all the shit about the dementia was real. I think he, she was probably really suffering like at his cognitive decline. And I think he probably was mean and he was nasty Mm -hmm. and it, it, expanded on their relationship, which probably was one in which she was expected to be a trophy wife and not truly emotionally supported. I believe all of that. And so I think by the time she was like, oh, and now there's some legal issue. Good fucking bye. I'm out of here and I'm going to make you seem like a monster and I'm going to get out of this scot-free. And for that, I say, Hey, you know what? Fine. But for her to not acknowledge the actual victims and spend so much time lying on camera, trying to get us lay people to feel bad for her Mm -hmm. is like, fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, no, it's, that's so true. And it's crazy because, um, being a relationship banker, we, I have, um, set up IOTA accounts and stuff for our lawyers that are my clients and watching, I had not 
a clue the extent to how bad it was, you know? So when they had mentioned him pulling money out of the IOTA account to use for his own personal goods, I was like, holy shit. I, I was don't like, even know what that means. So an IOTA account is set up, it's funds that are set up where every case that he had won money from, the money is just supposed oh. to go in there. It's a trust, an IOTA trust. That's what, and then an IOTA trust, okay. And so for him, I mean, there have been moments where we have set up an account and we just have to be very cautious that we don't accidentally do a withdrawal out of the wrong account because a lawyer will get debarred, like disbarred from that. I mean, immediately if those funds are not implemented. So the fact that he got away with this for so many years is shocking. I want to know what's going on in California right now. Like, I don't understand. It's crazy. And it's just scary too, because it almost makes you wonder, like, if you can't trust your lawyer, the person who's fighting for you, like, how do you protect yourself? Well, it seems like, it seems like in Housewife and, and the Hustler, what they were trying to say was that like, he, because the the victim who gets the money is awarded the money. They are the only ones who can pull the money out of the IOTA account that he was convincing them to then transfer from the IOTA account into what he called like an investment. Okay. Got it. So he didn't Mm -hmm. have someone, it's not like he had someone on the inside at the bank who was like willing to like give him that cash. He knows. They have, yeah, he'll have full access to the account through, I mean, his banking and everything like that. So he probably just operated it as a physical transfer. Did it ever actually go to that investment? I'm sure not. No. And I'm sure that he was using other people's funds when those people did actually get paid, you know, to to cover it. And it was just like a huge Ponzi scheme, you know, you're using other people's money to come in to pay the other people. And it's just Mm -hmm. a a huge pyramid situation. That's just insane. I mean, huge biggest lawsuit that we've seen in house history, I think bigger than, Oh yeah. I think of. Yeah. So. I mean, definitely like, uh, Jen Shaw is really giving us, <laughs> it's really giving us something. And I feel like since that is, there is a little bit of a difference. Cause this is like a husband that did that versus yeah. Jen Shaw. This is like, no, you're a scammer, babe. And you got caught and you're going to prison. Oh She's going to prison. And I think it's like the majority of it's on camera. Like I think uh-huh. that I was stuff where she she's going down on camera and, you know, oh like Mary I'm Cosby not getting goosebumps. Back her best life. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. well, Mary Cosby is next. Okay. Mary yeah, Cosby is a church. full ass cult leader. And we just got news last week that she was being charged for, um, Ill- unlawfully, housing a runaway. So basically she's being, she's that's, I mean, th- 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 uh, literally a cult leader. Like we have all been joking forever and ever and ever about how her church is a cult, but it's like, uh, you're being charged because you were providing housing for a runaway. You are, you have a cult. Oh my God. That is insane. Oh, 100%. And I don't even know how, when all of the like when the whole scandal came out about the way she speaks to the people who are in her church and stuff like that, I was shocked. I did not realize it was the same thing that you were talking about with Erica and Tom. Like one didn't know lawyers made that much money because they shouldn't make that money. Also Mm -hmm. didn't know people 
what, what is Mary Cosby's like job? Like, what does she do per se for the church? Do we know? She is the like head director. She's like the head priest or pastor in charge. So she like literally like her, I'm pretty sure her work is exclusive to like leading sermons. Oh my God. I'm trying so hard to like pull legal jargon out of the sky. If you can tell I was not raised religious. I'm like, no, I'm not at all. But how does somebody who performs sermons make that much money? I donations from her. It's all their, all of their money, all their five properties and all that shit. That is all like tithing from people. I, I don't know. I just always thought like donations go to the church, not the, the person, the director. Well, the I'm sure that it is, it is up to their discretion, how those funds get used. Allocated. Oh my God. It's just so crazy. Maybe I should. That have is so nice. The, the yeah, downfall of Mary Cosby and her church is absolutely next. I'm sure that whatever internet sleuths are sitting on it right now, Ronan Farrow, if you're listening, like they are just out there waiting for all the Erica shit to die down. And then like Jen shit to die down. They are waiting in the wings. Cause you don't want it to be overshadowed. I mean, that's the biggest thing is making My- sure everything comes out like at a proper time. So nothing is overshadowed by something else. My hope, like literally like put this, I mean, this is being recorded. So from my microphone into God's ears, I'm hoping that at this moment in time, there is an investigative journalist podcaster making a long form podcast about her church exposing her and we will get it in spring of 2022. Oh my God. That would be so good. Someone contact the girls from in the dark. Someone caught like, I need it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I live for the fallout. It's like, I, I live for watching these people who do really shitty things just. Yeah. Literally there. It sounds so bad to say like their life crumble apart, but, and it's also like, if you're doing something so snake and like, so sneaky, why are you going on camera? Like, I don't understand. This is the whole reason we watch is because the kind of person that is running a multi-million dollar scam and also wanting to be on camera, that level of delusion is what we like. Like even thinking about like Teresa season one of Jersey mm-hmm. and the wads of cash that she would get. And I'm like, thinking that this was filmed, what, 2007, 2008. And I'm like, something is not right about, Mm -hmm. about this. We are in a, a a crash right now. And how are you walking around with wads of cash on camera? Like it's normal. I was like, this is not, you don't say you pay for everything in cash. Like it's just, it's insane, but they pick them. So Um, okay. That's the end. Casey, thank you so much for being here. This is, this was such a delight. Oh, thank you for having me. I had so much fun. And anytime you need somebody else to fill in, I I've got you. Oh my God. Hell yeah. Okay. Where can the people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram because that's really the only social media platform I have. And it's underscore, underscore, underscore Casey Rose. Don't forget about that third underscore. It's important. <laughs> Amazing. And you'll be tagged in all the stuff. Um, okay. Say bye to the people. Bye. Bye.